Area 10 Faith Community meets in the historic Bird Theater in Carytown in Richmond, Virginia at 9.30 and 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings. We hope you'll be able to join us, but in the meantime, enjoy this recording of last week's message. Please bear in mind that the content of this recording is heavily edited in order to protect the family that we are supporting with our Advent offering this year. They are reaching out in an environment that is sometimes hostile to Christianity and those who share their beliefs, so the exact location they are moving to has been removed. Thank you for understanding. I have been reading the Christmas story lately. Maybe you've done the same, or maybe this time of year we always kind of jump back into Matthew chapter 1 and Luke 1 and 2, and you're sort of reading through... Uh, all the Christmas story details that you, that, you, that you get every year, you know, you sort of look, okay, there's like angels and there's shepherds and there's wise men and there's Mary and Joseph, this young couple, and then there's Elizabeth and Zechariah and there's just all these people that are kind of in the Christmas story and evil King Herod and Bethlehem and the whole thing and you read all that stuff and one thing I've noticed is looking at, especially this year, I, I've noticed that um, almost everybody who's called by God to do something in that story is not happy about it. Right? Like God says, I want you to do this thing. And they're like, yeah, I don't know. That's just not, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to work. I, I, don't, I don't love that. Like we looked at Mary last week and, and Mary, an angel shows up and appears to Mary and says, you're going to have God's child. And you think, oh, this is so cool. I get to have God's child. But she kind of has a little freak out about it, as you would, you know, like when an angel shows up at your door and says, you're carrying the child of God, you know, like you would freak out about that a little bit. And she's a little unsure. God's calling her to this thing. She's like, man, I don't know. And then by the end of it, she's like, all right, whatever you want, I'll, I'll do, you know, may it be done to me as the Lord is saying, like, okay, I'll, I'll do that thing. Well, then Mary has to go, and part of her freak out is she's already engaged to a, a, a man, a, a young man named, named Joseph, maybe a teenager, this guy named Joseph. And, and Mary has a plan for her life of how she thinks this is going to go down. She, like, sees a cute boy in Nazareth or whatever. His name's Joseph, and their parents are friends, and they sort of arrange the marriage. All right, you two are going to get together. And then they get engaged, and they go through this long engagement period. And then eventually there's going to be a ceremony. They're going to get married, and they're going to have children and live happily ever after. That is Mary's dream as a first century uh, good Jewish girl kind of living in Nazareth. That's what she wanted. That was her plan. Eh? And God called her to something completely different. And she has to go and tell her husband, Joseph, hey, I'm pregnant and it's not yours. Um, and that conversation doesn't go over well in the history of history. Like whenever you tell people, hey, I'm pregnant and it's not your baby. I, you know, we thought we were something, but I'm actually carrying God's baby, and, and just how awkward is that, and, and, and how does that go over when they have that conversation, because Joseph's no dummy, and he's like, I know where babies come from, and you're sitting here telling me you're having a kid, it's not my kid, and it's like a Jerry Springer, like of the first century, and he's like, wait a second, paternity test, that's not my baby, and so Joseph, he's like, man, I, I don't, I don't, this isn't good, this isn't, this isn't his plan A for his life. And so he's, he has a little freak out about it as well. And it actually, you pick it up in, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 19, it says this, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, he's a good Jewish boy, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he didn't want to make a scene, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So divorce would be actually a separation of their, of their engagement, not of marriage, like we would think of it. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. So Joseph is having his own freak out, and God has to show up and say, I'm calling you to this. This is what's going to happen. 
And we don't get a lot from Joseph after that. You don't hear a ton of, of, of his influence on Jesus' life or raising. But, but, but think about Joseph as now an ancient adoptive or foster dad. He has to raise a child that's not his and, and take, him, take him in as his own and, and try to raise him up to, to know God and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And so the call of God is, is weird on Joseph's life. The call of God is weird on everybody's life in the story. Elizabeth and Zechariah, Mary's cousin Elizabeth, that they they find out that they're going to have a child. Zechariah is told um, he has a you know sort of angelic visit, and it's like, okay, you're going to have a child, and you're going to name him John, and he's going to prepare the way for Jesus. So you're going to have this this special this special child, and he's prepared prepare this way. Um, and Zechariah kind of freaks out about that because he's very old, and he's like, I'm too old to have kids. Uh, it, it actually, if you read it in Luke 1, it says, he, he refers to himself, he says, I'm an old man, and my wife is advanced in years, which is like a PC way. It's like, he didn't want to sleep on the couch that night. He's like, she, she old. He was just like, she's advanced in years. And, and what is he saying? He's like, we can't have kids. We're too old for this. Like, this is not... And, and you'll see, this is a theme in the Bible of people who think they can't, and then they end up having kids. But he's like, we can't have kids. And maybe he's thinking, I'm too old just biologically. Like, he's 75-something years old, whatever. And he's like, um, we're, not, we're not going to CVS and buying pregnancy tests anymore. Like, we're well past that stage of, like, wondering if we're going to get pregnant this month. or We're not doing that. Or maybe he's like, I'm too old and tired to raise a kid because they have so much, so much energy. You've got to chase them around. Like, my wife and I, we cannot handle this. Um, and so Zechariah is uncomfortable with God calling him uh, to, to what he wanted him to do. And then there's all these other characters in the story. There's shepherds that are called by God, and these wise men are called to do this thing. Even, even Herod, the, sort of the evil king in the story, he, he's got a role to play in a sense. He's doing something that's going to force Joseph and Mary out and down to Egypt as a fulfillment of prophecy. Like all these people are, are basically called by God. And when people are called by God, it's... It's almost never easy, and it's almost always hard to understand. Like, why are you telling me to do this, God? What do you really want? Why, why do I have to do this thing? And if you look at the bigger picture of the Scripture, the truth is, anytime God calls someone, it kind of fits that criteria. It's like, man, this is hard, and I don't understand it, and I'm not sure what to do. One of the original calls from God goes all the way back to the book of Genesis, and this is famous. This is a call from God that basically three major world religions now trace some of their lineage back to this. This goes back uh, thousands of years, and billions of people around the globe today trace their lineage back to a guy named Abram, who was then later renamed as Abraham, all the way back to him. This is like one of the original calls of God. God speaks to Abram and says, I have chosen you for a purpose. Here's my call. Genesis 12, I want to read it to you. It's, it's pretty famous. It's kind of after you get through the flood and, and with Noah and, and the Tower of Babel and all that, we, we, we land here in Genesis 12. And it says this, the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So here's the call of God, very ancient, to a guy named Abram. And that's always a freaky thing, right? When God speaks to someone, it's audible, this is what I want you to do. And he calls him to something a bit challenging. He says, go to a land that I will show you. So I'm not going to tell you exactly where you're going, but I want you, you're going to go 
basically west. You're going to go, he, he's living in modern day Iraq, that area. And he's like, I want you to go west. He's going to end, he's going to eventually land in, in Israel, that area. Um, <clears throat> but I want you to go, I'll show it to you. And I want you to leave your father's household. So leave your extended family and just go, just, uh, just the, you and your, your immediate family, I want, I want go, and, and here's what's going to happen, because um, you're going to leave all that you've ever known, and you're going to go to this place that I'll show you, and I'm going to give you this land, and what's going to happen is, I'm going to make your name great. The whole world is going to be blessed through you. People are going to remember you forever. You're going to have all these descendants. It's going to be this great nation that's going to come out of you. And that sounds cool. Like, if I'm Abram, it's a little freaky to think of leaving everybody I know and just taking my immediate family and then going to a place I don't know and hearing God's call and following it. That's hard. But God does kind of sweeten the deal. He's like, I'm going to make you great, and I'm going to make your name great, and everyone's going to be blessed through you, and whoever blesses you will be blessed, whoever curses you will be cursed. Like, so Abram's got to think, like, oh, this is a pretty good deal. But there's a couple problems with the call of God on Abram. Again, Abram's old, and he knows that to have descendants, to, for a great nation to come out of him, he has to have children. And his wife, she old. And he's like, we can't do this. We, we're, we're not going to be able to, 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 to have children uh, because we're old. And so he believes God. He hears the call of God. But does he believe God? Really? Look at verse 4. So Abram went. Uh, notice whose name jumps out at you in this story. We haven't even heard of this guy yet. Listen to whose name jumps out at you twice in these couple verses. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set, set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. All right, so fairly wealthy guy. He's got a whole bunch of stuff. Um, he takes him and his wife, and, and who? Who goes along with him? Oh, there's this other guy named Lot. Now, didn't God say, leave your father's household, leave your family? Yeah. Why does he bring Lot along? It's his nephew. It, twice it's mentioned. That's not accidental. It's not like, oh, and also, it wasn't like a roll call. Like, like hey, I want to mention this as, as Moses writes this down for us. He mentions twice another person goes along, his nephew Lot. Why does Abram bring Lot with him? Because Lot is plan B. If God's plan A is, I'm going to make a great nation out of you and you're going to have descendants, and Abram's sitting there going, I'm too old to have kids. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to bring Lot along just in case this whole have things kids doesn't work out. Then at least I have like a, an heir of the family and maybe my descendants can kind of come through this guy. And if you actually read on, bringing Lot along was a bad idea and it goes badly for all of them when they get to where they're going. Like it's, it's, a, it's a whole mess. But here Abram is, is commended as being faithful and trusting God and setting out where he didn't know where he was supposed to go. And yet... Does he really trust God? Because he hears the call of God, and he's like, yeah, man, I don't know. I'm not real comfortable with this. I've got a, a, better, a better plan, and I'm going to bring someone along. What about a guy like Moses? Moses is called by God. Mo, Moses sees God. God shows up to Moses in the desert as a burning bush and speaks to him and, and gives him this calling and says, hey, the Israelites are enslaved in Egypt. They've been there for 400 years. Moses, I want you to step up and be a leader. You're an old man, but you're, I need you. You're my guy. I want you to step up and lead the people. Go before Pharaoh. Ask him to let the people go and lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. And Moses, the call of God, unmistakable, this crazy thing, this burning bush that's speaking to you, Moses hears from God directly, and Moses goes, I don't really want to do that. 
How about we come up with a different plan? And, and it's, it's almost comical when you read through it in, in Exodus chapter 4. Moses has reason after reason why the call of God is not a good idea and why he doesn't want to do what God has for him. He's like, I'm not a good public speaker. Uh, that's, you know, who, who hasn't used that excuse before, right? Like, oh, I'm just terrible at public speaking. He's like, I'm not good at that. Pharaoh's not going to listen to me. Nobody's going to believe that I ever talked to you, God. And like, God's like, I'll take care of that. I'll take care of that. I'll take care of that. Moses has every other re- every reason. Finally, God gets really annoyed. And he's like, look, you just need to go and do what I'm telling you. So the call of God does not sit comfortably on Abram, on Moses, on Mary, on Joseph, on Elizabeth, on Zechariah, on, on anyone. There's, there's a whole group of people in the Old Testament. Many books are written in the Old Testament. If you read through Ezekiel, uh, Daniel, Jeremiah, Amos, Micah, Malachi, all these people, all these people are prophets. And if you're a prophet in the Old Testament, your job is to speak God's words to the people of Israel to let them know, hey, this is what God thinks about what we're doing. So the people are kind of living, they're doing their thing in Israel, Judea. They've got their kings, there's Saul and David and Solomon and Hezekiah and all these kings that kind of show up in, in the history of Israel. And the prophet's job, they're not the king, they're not a priest. Their job is to stand there before the king and go, this is what God says. They are to speak God's words. And without a doubt, everybody who is a prophet in the Old Testament hates their job. They hate it. Because who wants to be the bearer of bad news? Who wants to stand before the king and be like, God thinks you're horrible? That's a terrible job, right? You read Jeremiah. Jeremiah, a long book of the Old Testament, and he is considered the weeping prophet. It's almost like from the day this guy is born, there's just sadness and like a gray cloud that hangs over his life. If you're like, if you're, if you're like I'm all up in my fields, Jeremiah is your dude. Because he's there, and it's just, it's heavy. And listen to the call of God on Jeremiah. God's like, Jeremiah, I have chosen you for this. Listen to this. Jeremiah chapter 1. The word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. The call of God is clear Hold off on that verse for a second. The call of God is clear in Jeremiah's life. I I chose you, man. You weren't even born yet, and I I had set you apart for this purpose. You were going to speak my words. There's there's God's call in Jeremiah's life. Very clear. Jeremiah's response, alas, sovereign Lord, I do not know how to speak. I'm too young. Where have you heard this before, the public speaking thing? Like, ah, just not, I'm not a good, other people are good, well, they have all the good, all the best words. I don't have the best words. I'm not good at speaking. I'm, and I'm, I'm inexperienced. I'm too young. You should send, God, you should send someone who's like really smooth talker to speak to the king. You should send someone who's got some life experience because, you know, I'm young and they're not going to listen to me. They're just going to be like, get out of here, kid. You need to send someone with more experience. And if you flip through the scriptures, you will struggle to find anyone, maybe outside of Jesus himself, you'll find almost, there's almost no one who gets called by God to do something who's like, oh, this is going to be great. I love this. I'm so excited. God has called me. It is a, it is a struggle. So when you read in the Christmas story that everyone's struggling with the call of God, it, it should not be a surprise to us. So I bring all that up because I wanted to talk to you about calling. What does it mean to be called by God? Because if you've been around the church at all in your life, 
you've, you've, you've heard people talk about it. You've heard people say, God called me to do this. And if you're new to faith, you hear other people talk about God calling them to do something, and something in your head goes like, that's weird. Is this normal? Does everybody get called by God? Am I supposed to be being called by God? Did he say something? Did he call me and I didn't listen? Was I was on the, on the other line? Like, what? How, how come they were called by God and I haven't been called? Like, what does that mean? Well, the scripture has all sorts of words, especially the New Testament when it talks about God calling you. Not, not to like, oh, you are called to go do this exact thing, but sort of a general calling for all, all followers of Jesus. 2 Timothy 1, chapter, eight, uh, chapter 1, verse 8. So, <clears throat> do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join me, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. Paul reminds Timothy, we are, what we are called to is to be different, to be set apart, to be holy. Uh, consecrated is another word. We, we are supposed to be something different than the world around us. We are called by God to that. Philippians three fourteen, Paul says this, I press onward toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Hey, God called me to, to run this race, to, to endure, to, to live this life of faith until I die and, and chase after him. Galatians 5.13, Paul says this, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. He's like, hey, you have a calling and it's to be free people. Now, in America, we're like, yes, we're called to be free. That's awesome. Of course, that's, that's us. That's our thing. But so many people are technically free, sort of legally free, but, but still in addictions and habits and in other ways are, are enslaved to something. And Paul, that's the kind of thing Paul's getting at. He's like, hey, you're not supposed to be just checking the boxes and, and doing all the rules and getting it all right and, and, and doing that thing. Um, you're not supposed to be enslaved to a set of rules. <clears throat> you're supposed to live free and, and, and to be free and walk in the Spirit with God. But don't use that freedom... As a, as a means to, oh, now I can just do whatever I want and start doing stupid stuff again. He's trying to challenge them. But there's a calling there. There's sort of this general calling that goes all, over all of us. And so if you've been around church, you've heard people use this language of calling, and maybe it makes sense to me. People say, you know, God's calling me to move, or God's calling me to stay here, God's calling me to do this, God's calling me, God's calling our family to adopt, God's calling us to, you know, find, seek this church out, or God's calling us to start this new thing. And like, you've heard that kind of language before. Um, there are many contexts that, that, are, that, that you hear where, where people say they were called by God. And I like that. I like the idea that we hear from God regularly and that we follow him and that we obey him. Um, I want people to hear and obey him. Sometimes I think when people say they're called by God, it gets a little overplayed, right? Like I think people overplay that card a little bit because, you know, people will be like, oh, God's calling me to do this thing, you know, and, and you're like, is God calling you to do that? Because it sounds like you just want to do it. And then you're like playing the God card to make it sound like more important. You know what I mean? Like I'm not cynical about everybody's calling uh, for sure. Um, but sometimes I think some people just say, this is what I really want to do and I'm just going to put a God spin on it, right? So how do we know if, if a calling is a true calling from God or something that's just kind of in our heads and just kind of made it up? I think there's two, two elements um, that make something a, a, a calling from God. And this is consistent in the scripture uh, that, that you see. Number one, your calling is not for you. 
1 Peter 4, verse 10 says this, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Whatever God gave you, talent, skill, ability, you, you know, music, hospitality, service, leadership, uh, giving, just like whatever God has blessed you with, he gave it to you so that you would use it for others. The calling is not, I'm gonna, it's not God saying, I'm going to bless you just so you're so awesome. It is so that you will be a blessing to others. You see that in the call of Abram. It goes all the way through. You see what Mary's called to, what Joseph's called to. This is going to be the savior of the world that you're going to raise in Jesus. This is for others. It's never about you and making you like something like more awesome. And, and I think about this with my own gifts. I have a responsibility. What has God given me if I'm honest about it? What am I good at? What am I not good at? talent, skills, ability, education, training, whatever, all that has been poured into me, I have a responsibility to use it for the good of others. Um, as a leadership quote, I, I, a guy I heard who said, um, it, it's not my job um, to, to fill up other people's cups. It's my job to empty mine. It's my job to pour out all that I have. So whatever I have learned, whatever I know, um, I want to gather some people around me and go like, okay, here's what I've got, and, I, and let me pour that out into you, and then you pour out what you've got into me, and we'll, we'll build each other up that way. It's not my job to fill your cup. It is my job to empty mine, though, and, and, to, and to pour out. And this is why we ask you um, <clears throat> in the church, we ask you to serve. We ask you to get in a small group. We ask you to connect with other people. Because we, we believe our faith cannot be lived out alone. You can't just be a solo Christian. Like, you need to be connected to others and pouring out into others. And so we, we challenge you to serve. Every week we get up here and we say, hey, serve this way. A10 kids, jump in here with greeters. Jump in here with teardown. Jump in here with, like, get involved somewhere. Hey, we got something going on with adoption foster care in the community. Volunteer for that and get involved with that. Like, we're challenging. We're putting options and opportunities in front of you. We're asking you to serve and to step up because we believe that the calling of God on your life is not for you. It is for others. He wants to use you and pour out through you to bless other people. Um, we, want, we believe God wants to grow you, but not for your own awesomeness or something. God wants to grow you so that you bless and connect with other people. Your calling from God should increase your connection to others, not, not make you more insulated. So your calling is not for you. And number two, your calling is not from you. Your calling is not from you. Now that should be obvious, Right? Um, yeah, you don't call yourself. Um, the calling implies that someone spoke and called something out of you and, 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 and reached out to you. And someone outside of you said, hey, I want you to, to follow me. Um, this is the way it works. God calls and, and you respond. The challenge is made from God and you respond and go, okay, he's calling me to something. And I point that out because a lot of times people just do what they want and then they put a God stamp on it, right? Um, you, you hear that sometimes you hear this with celebrities where it's like you know God's called me to whatever and it's like man God called you to be famous how cool for you like that was great God's calling you to be rich and famous that's amazing like uh, that's great maybe maybe that's not really God calling you maybe you called you to that and you're putting the God stamp on I mean that that, that kind of thing um, we, ha we have to be careful we have to be careful because we can be very ambitious, and we can want and, and want to succeed and achieve and all of that, and I get that, and I, and I believe in it. I think we should maximize what we have and make the most of what we have with a little bit of time that we have on earth, but we need to remember that God is calling us. He's the one who, 
who says go. He's the one who says stay. He's the one who, who challenges us and, and pushes us to, uh, to do some new things. Um, Advent this year, we have as a church, and every year since 2008, at Advent, in the month of December, we have raised money for something we believe in, uh, uh, some way to spread the gospel around the world. We've done some local projects with affordable housing, with foster care. We've done some global projects in Haiti and Vietnam. And uh, every year we raise, we raise money above our normal offering for the month of December, and we bless something um, there. And, and, and this year our challenge is going to be we're, we're going to... Uh, we're going to send, we're going to be ascending church, something we've never done. We're going to be ascending church for, uh, for the, the Brent family. They will be uh, moving in 2020, and we're excited about this. And here's why this is really strategic. Uh, a lot of people are like, oh, we should just do work at home, and, and you know, there's plenty of needs in Richmond. There are plenty of needs in Richmond, and we are involved in them. That is true. But if everybody took that attitude, the gospel would never spread around the world. Like, there, there are always people that are going to have to be like, hey, go leave your land, leave your, fa- your father's family or whatever, and go to the land that I will show you. There are always people that are going to hear that call and go. And so the Brents um, have, heard, have, have heard that call. We'll talk to them about that. A couple years ago, I was in right on, on the border, uh, kind of over near where Abram was from originally, um, and I met a Christian, and I think he was the only one in the town of 100,000 people, the only person in Jesus. So there's a lot of need there. The Brents have uh, heard that call and are going. So I want to bring them out. Good to have you guys. Uh, talk to me about calling, because that's what we're talking about. I, I was thinking about you guys as I was writing this, like, okay, you've got a large family, and um, it's a big deal, and so uh, you're not going to go unless you feel like God's calling you to do it. So what did that look like? Maybe that looked different for each of you. What, what does the call of God look like in this situation? Yeah, so for me, I um, started doing missions in uh, middle school, and I would go on a two-week summer missions trip where the first week we'd spend our week at church just um, learning how to abide in Christ and preparing our hearts for when we went out and did outreach the next week where we got to just go love on people and share Jesus with people and serve people. And through that, I really got to experience the joy that comes with just being available for God to use us and being available to talk to people about Jesus and share Christ with them. And then at the end of high school, I um, went to a mission summit where there were missionaries from all over the globe And I got to talk to them about how God was moving globally in different countries through different people um, and how they were just available for it and he was just making it happen. So that's really when I felt that call to be a missionary and to do missions overseas. But I didn't yet feel the call to go. So from then it was just connecting in church and serving and just loving the town around me until eventually God would call us to go someday and, you know, make that promise a reality. So I grew up a missionary kid um, and was at the same two-week mission trip that Fish was at and was in a prayer meeting and really... Is that where you guys met or did you meet before that? We met in high school. Okay. High school and church. We're high school sweethearts. Um, but I was in a prayer meeting and there was a map of the whole world on the wall and everyone was kind of writing different things as they were praying. And in that meeting, God spoke to my heart and said, one day you will be living in Central Eurasia. One day you will be sharing the gospel with those there. And I was in high school and I was like, yeah, right, God. Like, no, I've lived there for three years, not happening. Um, but with that, God put me on a trajectory to become a teacher, to become a teacher here um, and continued to shape and mold me to the point where 
last August when we were sitting down at Mellow Mushroom, we were with a team and they said, hey guys, we really need a teacher to come help. And we really need someone to come do media. And that just opened that door where God had placed separate calls on our lives at separate times, but said yes in that moment and allowed us to go. God called you in Mellow Mushroom, as in right over there. Like, right over there. The disco it, seat happened. in the back. The yes. big, oh, so many good things have gone so down. Many and good probably things. bad things, yeah. too. But yeah, good, uh, <laughs> there's pretzels and beer cheese. And it was like, all right, here we go. Um, okay, so it's, it would be easy to hear your story and go like, yeah, but I mean, you grew up, you grew up some overseas, like, um, but this is, it's a big deal. We have a picture of your family, and there's, my, there are a lot of them. When we watch, when we watch the video, uh, the, the, the video of your family, like, making the, the cookies and all that, I'm just, I, I watch that, and all I can think is, I wonder how many takes that took, because I, I got small children, I know, that is a miracle that you got good footage like that, like, so, um, so it's a, it's a big deal, um, because you're, you're here now, and you've been here, and there's a certain level of comfort you get with American life and that kind of thing. And so how has that been for you, the con- contemplating that whole adjustment of like, okay, I'm going to uproot the whole thing and move to a land that God will show you and, and that kind of thing. So how's that been? Um, actually, amazingly, a lot of peace. There's, there's some anxiety in the fact that, you know, there are four kids that you're taking to a city of 15 million people. But um, it, there's been a lot of peace in it. And I think part of it is because God called us at this moment, and we didn't say yes too soon. We're not trying to force it. And then there's a team waiting for us there, and that they have been nothing but encouragement. And then there's a team here behind us. And so instead of people saying, oh my God, I can't believe you're doing this, or you're crazy, or anything like that, it's always been words of encouragement. Our close circle, when we first started this process, we were like, hey guys, so we're going to move. And they're like, well, it's about time. Like, they felt our call as much as we felt it, and so it's given us a lot of peace in that. That's awesome. So um, how can we as a church get behind you? So actually, it's for a little context. Fish came to me, I don't know, two years ago, I don't know when it was, and said, hey, we're, we're, this is what we want to do. Um, and there was, we had this discussion about what would it look like for Area 10 as a church to send them, to be a sending church for them. And we had not done that before, but as a church, we had prayed. We had a global, a global mission team that had, had strategized. I remember the strategy meeting and this prayer meeting. We were like, okay, we, one of the things we want to do is be a church that sends people overseas. And I remember seeing the goal of that and thinking, I don't know how we're going to do that. Like, that, that's cool and all. I mean, in theory, that sounds great, but how's that going to happen? And then you come to me for lunch, and you're like, we want to do this. I don't know if Area 10 would be interested. I don't know if this could work. And I'm like, this, this is it. Like, we've been waiting for this. So how, what are the, as a sending church, how can we get behind you guys? What, what does that look like? So a big thing is prayer. Um, prayer is what gets us there. Um, right now, the biggest prayer we have is just the transition of getting our house packed away and sold and getting everything prepared. And then the transition into the country, like you said, it's a pretty big family to just kind of go to a different culture, learn a different language. Um, I think they're gonna do great, um, but I think that's because we're gonna have people behind us praying for that. Um, you can also pray that God continues to bring people alongside us to support us monthly in financial support. Um, and maybe you can pray about supporting us monthly in financial support. And then give to Advent, because that's just, that is a huge blessing to us to be able to raise money with the church and then have that behind us as we continue to raise more so that we can be 
fully funded and head out to the field. So the organization you're going with, they like require you to raise a ton before you go, basically. Like you, you have to kind of have it in the bank. They don't want you like landing in country and then spending all your time fundraising, right? Yeah, yeah. They want us to have monthly support completely um, done so that every month we're not try focusing on where is this going to come from, trying to connect with people and go, hey, we're over here. Can you support us? They want us to just be over there doing God's work. Um, so we, we have a monthly support we need to raise, and then we have a cash budget is what they call, and it's for flights there, it's for flights back. It's everything they know is going to cost money while we're over there. Um, and as a family of six, it's a little bit more than we thought it'd be. So, uh, so sure. yeah. Okay. And once we get all of that, we can book tickets, and we can head to plan, over there, plan to head over there around August. Nice. Nice. Okay. So we as a church, um, it's, it's always hard to know, but um, as a church, the challenge at every Advent is, hey, can you just spend a little less on Christmas and let's give Jesus a birthday present. It's his birthday, actually. It's what we're celebrating at Christmas. Let's, let's give uh, and, and, and put our money where our mouth is, where our heart is. Let's, let's give generously. And so the, the challenge is for these guys, can we as a church give, and we, we've talked about it, staff, and, and talked about it a bit with them of like, okay, can we get 25000 as a church in the month of December for these guys as, as part of that upfront cost to, to get them, to help get them closer to where they need to be. So that's, that's, what, we're, that's what we're hoping for. So you can give through the app, through our website, um, online, um, and, and there's a, a special sort of Advent drop-down menu there for giving, and then we'll sort of tally all that up, and we'll let you know in January how that all came together. But man, we are, we are so excited to be on this whole journey with you. Um, we're hoping to, down the road, we'll send people over to, to, to be with you guys and kind of be part of it uh, firsthand and, and see what's going on, but we're, we're, uh, we're, we're excited for what you're doing, and there's such a great need, and you guys are stepping into it, and, and so I just want to say thank you, and thanks for hearing the call uh, of God, and, and a lot of people probably hear the call. You heard it in high school and then ignored it for a while, and you're like, well, maybe one day, you know. Yes, yes. But didn't say go it didn't, now. didn't say go now, okay, and so finally he comes back around and says, no, no, really, right now, and this is the moment, so uh, super excited for you. So let me pray for them, and then Let's all pray for them together, and then, uh, and then and we'll be done. Thank okay, Lord, uh, thanks for the Brents and them hearing your call. And God, uh, you, you have a call for all of us. You have a mission for us. The go into all the world, make disciples of all nations is for all of us. And so they're going in this way. They're, they're going to change their address and, and relocate. Um, I pray you walk with them and go before them and set, set the place for them and, and make uh, divine appointments for them of people that they can talk to and influence that they can have. Um, I pray as we as a church pray for them, as we raise money, as we get behind them, that uh, it's an awesome thing and a, and a huge blessing um, for them and, and for our church to be part of this. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. They will be in the lobby when we're done. There's a table out there and they, they will talk. Central Eurasia with you if need be. Uh, so go say hi to them afterwards when we're done. Thanks for being up here, guys. Thank you. So not everybody's going to move overseas. I get that. Um, not everybody probably should, but everyone is called by God to do something wherever you are. Um, and if you're sitting here going, I don't know if God's called me, and, and how would I even know? One suggestion I would make is go to Mellow Mushroom. He does call there. <laughs> um, but the other thing I would say is this, and here's the real trick for us. God might be calling you right now. You're just not going to hear him because you won't slow down and pay attention. That's the truth. 
That's the hard truth. Um, I, I was listening to a podcast this, this past week, and they were talking about hurry. And they were talking about how we need to eliminate hurry from our lives. And you can have whatever spiritual plan, I'm going to read the Bible and I'm going to pray and I'm going to do this and I'm going to go on these nature walks and I'm going to talk to God and I'm going to do this group and I'm going to lead this. Like you could have whatever plan you want, but the, the problem will be time. The problem's not going to be Netflix. The problem's not going to be Satan. The problem's not going to be a bad friend group that's pulling you down. Sure, all of these things can, can get in the way, I suppose, but the issue is always going to be time. Um, will you stop? Will you, will you slow down a minute so that you can actually hear from the, from the Lord? Our lives, most of us, our lives are too busy to have any sort of vibrant, healthy spirituality, to have a, to have a, 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 a walk with God, to hear the call of God. We have to calm down the noise. Uh, and I know at Christmas season, it's like, well, you're saying this to us now? This is the noisiest time of the year. Um, and, I, and I get that, but that's, that's the truth. That's the diagnosis is it's, we're too hurried and it's too noisy for us to hear the call of God. But here's the good news. You can change that. This actually is within your, your power. Um, I get it. I know the grind. I know, I know how hard you work. Um, but maybe, maybe we don't have to have it all. Maybe some of the ways we grind and, 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 and are hard charging is for things that God never asked us to do, that never, never asked us to pick up, that we're, that we're pushing so hard so my kids have absolutely everything and it's like, do they need everything or is that actually not good for them? Is it for your own gratification so I can have everything or would that actually not be good? Um, we have overly hurried lives and that is our own doing and I think we're missing something and we're missing this call of God when our lives are so frantic. So, can we catch our breath a minute and slow down and lean into hearing from God, especially as we look into 2020? As a church, I'm committed to it. I'm committed to the rhythm in 2020 and as a church, developing a better rhythm around praying, around fasting, and like voluntarily giving up food so that we can take that time that we would eat or prep and, and pray and seek God's face. Uh, to, to, to find this rhythm of following after Jesus. I'm committed to that for myself, for the leadership of the church, and, and, and for us as a body in 2020. Let's slow down and listen to him because he's trying to speak to us and he's leading us. Wendell Berry uh, gives this formula for the good life, and I, I love it. He says, slow down, pay attention, do good work, love your neighbors, love your place, stay in your place, settle for less, enjoy it more. I'm praying that 2020 is a, a time that we hear the call of God because we're willing to slow down and, and <clears throat> live in this moment more. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, um, I, I thank you for your call that it goes out to us generally that you call all of us to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. And you call us to live a holy and separate life, to be set apart. You call us to, to serve one another and to not just live for ourselves. <clears throat> but Lord, I pray with the specific calls that you have for us, the, 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 hey, go do this now. I pray that our ears are open, our hearts are open, and that we slow down enough to listen. Um, God, thank you for the Brents and what you're doing in their lives. Um, I'm excited to have a front row seat of that and to see um, how you're at work. And I pray uh, that their, their example will challenge many more of us um, to, to, to step out and, and to, to do the things that we think maybe are risky or uncomfortable. 
Um, thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.